good. Welcome to church this morning. We're going to pray before we start. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. It's anointed. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray that today, oh God, we would learn so much more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I'm going to race into it because I'm going to be talking about heaven bound. I'm so excited because as I've been studying the word, and studying and reading, I'm going, I'm ready, I'm ready. It's a great place to be able to go to. Mark doesn't think, just not yet, we've got too much still to do. That is true. (laughs) Have you ever wondered what heaven will be like? For those who think that you'll be sitting on a cloud with a harp in your hands, dispel, is that Marco? Welcome, good to see you. All the way from OS. Uh, I I want you to get that image out of your head because that's not what it's going to be like. Uh, Some think heaven sounds a little bit boring. Well, let me tell you, it's not going to be boring. I have thoroughly enjoyed researching and digging to the Word of God about what heaven is like, how we're going to get there. What what are we going to be doing? Who's going to be there? Did you know that heaven is mentioned 275 times just in the New Testament? And in the Old Testament, it's mentioned over 300 times. So heaven saturates the Word of God because this is where God ultimately wants us to go. Years ago, a Rolling Stone magazine did a survey of the top 100 rock songs of all time. Number one was Bob Dylan, Like a Rolling Stone. Number two was Mick Jagger, I Can't Get it, No Satisfaction. And number three, the most popular song of all time. So this is number three, the most popular pop song of all time was Imagine by John Lennon, the Beatles. He sang it in 1971. And I'm not going to sing it to you, but you know what this song is because you've swayed to it, you've heard it, and you've heard it numerous times played. And it is, imagine there's no heaven. You can't, I know you're dying to sing it, aren't you? Imagine there's no heaven. You know that song? (laughs) Come on, you're not helping me at all. It's easy if you try. Come on, guys. No hell below. Thank you, Kira Lee. Swang. We better not sing. It's not a very good song. Above us and only sky. So imagine there is no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Ha ha. I just had to do the ha ha bit. Do you know it's very so depressing, that song? In 2018, in the Winter Olympics of South Korea, they played that song and 35,000 people and millions of people in their lounge rooms watching, singing and swaying to this song. No heaven, no hell, no eternity. This is life as good as it gets. Aim for world peace, die and get eaten by worms. That's what we've got to look forward to, according to this song. P. 
People just living for today, no real hope ahead. Heaven, no heaven, no hell. It's because this melody gets into you that people begin to sing it and sway to it and love it. But it's literally about no hope. Well, the Bible tells us differently. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Both are real, both exist. I want to look at what the Bible tells us about heaven. I want to look at what Jesus' lengthy discussion before he ascended into, the he- into heaven in the upper room with his disciples, he talked about heaven a lot. And uh, he talks about, you know, loving one another, he's sharing with his disciples, but then he talks about being heaven bound. And John chapter 13, 33, we're going to read with me. I've got lots of scriptures today. So, but I haven't got them all written down. So if you want to take extra references that I put out there for your own study and learning, I encourage you to do so because it's very exciting. John 13, 33 to 38, Jesus, Jesus is talking here. He says, little children. Now, he's not talking to the little children. As I shared before, little children means an endearment, a term of endearment. Hey, friends, like, hey, guys, hey, mates. And that's what he's saying to his disciples, little children, hey, hey guys, hey mates, hey, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you a new commandment. This is a new commandment. Doesn't mean this commandment existed in Leviticus, but a new commandment means it's, in a, it's a fresh a fresh, putting it before you right now, fresh commandment. Like not new, but fresh. Let's be reminded of this commandment. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you and that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. The conversation then continues to happen in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go I prepare and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's where I am. There you may be also. And where I go to go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Disciples' ears prick up as he says, I only will be with you a little longer and then I'm going. So they have three questions they ask Jesus. Peter has two, Thomas has one. Peter's first question is in John 13, 36, 37. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? 
And Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. The second question Peter asked, Peter said to him, Lord, this is 37, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And then Thomas, third question that's asked, Thomas says, Thomas said to him, Lord, John 14, 5, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? We today have the benefit of reading the Word of God. They didn't have the benefit of what we know today. So we know how, when, what. We know all about heaven and where He went and how it's going to be. Jesus is trying to tell them that after the crucifixion, He will rise from the dead and and then He'll come back for 40 days and ascend and appear to them back on the Mount of Olives. He was trying to tell them in advance that this is what will happen. So, and we see this recorded, we see this recorded in Acts 1, 9 to 11 and the live reel of what is actually happening. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they, were, while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud and received. So Jesus died, rose again, came down, was with them for 40 days, and then he went up. He was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come like in a manner as you saw him go up. It's talking about how Jesus went up and then one day he's coming back for his bride, for his church. Yahoo! We read Jesus is having this conversation with John in, chap- in John chapters 13 and 14 about heaven preparing the way for his departure. He has three and a half years and he wants to assure them and and, and allow them to understand that he's not gonna go away permanently. Church, Jesus is not gone away permanently. As we read on in John, it talked about the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and we have the privilege to have the comforter, the Holy Spirit with us at all times. We have to be ready for the day of Jesus' return if we haven't died. You know, we're all going to die one day. Some sooner, some later. But we are all going to die one day. Benjamin Franklin was right. There are only two things certain, death and taxes. Well, we know about the taxes. If you're here today, you're not certain about death because you are here alive listening to me. But let's look at what Jesus says. John 13, 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus asked him, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you shall follow me afterward. He's saying because of his sacrifices, Jesus has opened heaven to us. To all those who receive him as their personal Lord and Saviour, heaven is a choice. 
And the choice is as we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Saviour, He gives us the right to become children of God. So heaven is opened up for us. You may be here today and you still haven't given your life or surrendered your life to Jesus. I wanna encourage you. I'm gonna give you an opportunity at the end of the service to get right with God, to have the opportunity to receive Him as your personal Lord and Saviour. But it is a choice to accept Jesus or to reject Him. So let's look at what heaven is like. Heaven is where God resides. It's our eternal home for those who receive Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. You know, there's many verses that I can go through, but here's one. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 to 8, Paul talks about uh, as long as we are in this body, we are away from God because we are on earth. The moment we die, it says that we are absent in this body and present to the Lord. There's no in-between, okay? Absent, the, when the thief on the cross and Jesus was talking to him, he said, today, not in six years, today you will, will, will be with me in paradise. So when we die, our spirit goes straight to be in the presence of, of the Lord. Our body Fades away, but our spirit departs this body and goes immediately into the presence of God. The Bible goes on to say we get a glorified body. Woo-hoo, yes. Can I put my order in? <laughs> Instantly into the presence of our eternal home. So where is heaven? Heaven is located somewhere above earth, beyond outer space. It's actually in the north. I only learned this this week. Did you know heaven is in the north? Okay, yes, I didn't know that either. North is fixed position. Someone is in Israel going, Jesus went up. He's pointing that way. In Australia, we're pointing that way. North, you know, depending on where you live, is in a different, uh, sorry, is in a different location. Sorry, in, yeah, wherever you are. But north is the only position that is fixed in one place. Wherever you are in the world, it says it's fixed. Now you're going, well, Nina, where's it in the Scripture? There's not only one Scripture on that. There's a few, but I'll read you one. Scriptures tell us it's in north. In Isaiah 14, 13 to 14, this is actually Satan here is, is actually referring, talking here. After he was kicked out of heaven, He says, verses 13, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther side of the north. I will ascend above heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. We see We see that also in Psalms that the promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from the north, from God above. And so there's other scriptures that I can go, but uh, you do Bible college or study your own word and see what it says. Then it says that Jesus said to his disciples, I go up. So heaven is up. Paul talks about a vision that he had. You know, he was beaten so bad that he was 
left for dead. He didn't die, but he was left for dead. But he comes back and he records his outer body experience that he has that when he went to heaven. He writes in 2 Corinthians 12, he says how he was caught up in the third heaven. Are there three heavens, you, you ask? I'll tell you what, what it is. First heaven, he's not talking about three actual heavens. He's talking about this. The first heaven is Earth's atmosphere. The second heaven is outer space where the stars and the galaxies are. The third heaven where we are looking forward to going to is where God dwells. That's where actual heaven is. It's beyond Earth's atmosphere. It's beyond outer space. It's in the north and Paul describes this. And he goes on to describe what heaven is like. You know, I'm sure we've heard so many jokes and stories about coming to the pearly gates where Peter welcomes everyone. You've heard those stories? Jokes? Well, let me give you one. Because I know you want to know of one. Peter's there waiting and uh, a group of cats die and they go to heaven. (laughs) Some of you who own cats, you're happy about this story. I know Julie would be. (laughs) And they come and Peter's there, Pearly Gates, welcome cats. You know, and he says says to the cats, he goes, "Uh, I've noticed that you've had a hard life on earth. He goes, yes, the chief of the cats is talking here. We will come, we have a special place for you. And the cat said, well, you know, Peter, it has been really hard on earth. Like we lived with a poor family on a farm and we had no nice places to sleep. It was all hard surfaces. Peter said, no more. We're gonna give you big fluffy pillows and they were provided for the cat in heaven. And a few days later, half a dozen mice came to heaven. Peter says, welcome. And he made them the same offer. The mice says, you know, Peter, we have had a pretty tough time on earth. We were always being chased by cats, women with brooms. It's been really hard. We've been chased even by dogs. Who knew dogs like rats and mice? Well, they do. So, It would be so cool if we had something that would help us. And so he thought, well, we'd be really good if we had roller skates. Peter says, no worries. He had these little roller skates made for them, put them on his feet. Peter said, they're the cutest little thing, little mice, little rats on, on, on roller skates. A week later, he goes to, Peter decides to check up on the new residence and he goes to uh, the cat and he goes, the cat was sleeping on a big fluffy pillow and he says, he just wakes up from a big yawn, oh, enjoying life. Peter says, how's it going? And the cat said, Peter, it is my best life. By the way, those meals on wheels that you pride for me every day, they are the best. Well, I didn't know that heaven's going to be like that. But think of the very best day that you've ever had. 
billion times it because I believe that is what it's going to be like. People ask me, is there heaven? Is it, always ask me, is there animals in heaven? Well, I know that Elijah was taken up in a horse. Jesus coming down on a white horse talks about ox and lambs and wool sleeping together. So, and talks about the birds. I don't know about our pet Dobie. I don't know if he's going to be there, but I'm leaving that question opened. He's already in heaven. He is. That dog, he sleeps better than me. What is heaven really like? We see in Revelation 21, 15 to 21, and then 22, verse 1. Heaven has the best decor. It goes on to say, streets of gold, right? We have bitumen up there, streets of gold, gates of pearl, walls of jasper, foundations of precious stones, and a crystal clear river running through it. I can't wait. I've been to some beautiful places here on earth. They actually say that there's a place in Kashmir located in the north of India. They say it's heaven on earth. There's a picture of it behind me. Heaven on earth. It is stunning. It's beautiful. Well, if it doesn't come up, go and look at it. It is actually a beautiful picture. It's in northern India, and it's called Kashmir, like Kashmir jumper, but with a little bit of a difference. Just put heaven on earth, and it'll come up. It is stunning. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture of heaven. Don't go on your phones now, please. <laughs> First Corinthians 2.9. I know all of you are thinking, I know how you think, because that's how I would think. No, I, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 2.9. Paul says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. A disclaimer, I know it's halfway through my sermon. I'm really doing no great justice in all that you need to know about heaven. But I want to put it out there, there is it's be, it's much more that... I'm talking to you today about heaven that we can ever imagine or think of. Number two, heaven is a place of no mores. No mores. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. No more sorrow. No more sin or sickness. Revelation 21.4, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Going, I wonder how that would be. I reckon it's as we come in, wipes it away. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Therefore, that's why there's no more tears. There'll be, she'll be no more pain. You're in pain? No more pain. For the former things have passed away. All those things today that give us pain, that cause us to cry, they will be the former things. It will be a beautiful life. All the things that weigh us down, that trouble us, that'll be a thing of the past. In his wonderful presence, there'll be no more suffering, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more crying, and every tear wiped away. Number three, heaven is a place 
of rejoicing. Revelations 5.12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. It's not a sad, boring, depressing place. It will be a land of the living, not the land of the dead. You know, the worst things that can happen to us as Christians is not death. Sometimes I, I meet some Christians and they're so afraid of dying. You know, the Bible says to die is gain. We don't need to be depressed about dying. Just be more aware of living and having your eternal soul right with God. The Bible, live is Christ, to die is gain. Number four, heaven is a place of rewards. Hey, some of you think, I serve so hard. They never see what I do. They've I've never got an award. Don't, what, ooh. That wasn't, no, the first picture was beautiful. That wasn't, that's, that's okay. You should see the first picture. Revelations 22, 12 says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. He's saying, according to how you have worked for me, for me, is how I reward you. Revelations 19, verses 7 to 8, it actually talks about that we will receive at the marriage lamb, feast of the lamb, we will receive a linen robe. And on that, it will be for the righteous acts of the saints. So if you served in any way, in any capacity, you will get a marriage, a, a marriage robe. Like, so it's the righteous acts, the things that you've done in serving God excuse me, in serving God, you get. So right now, as you serve in this house, as you serve the Lord, every time you love, every time you give, every time you reach out, every time you worship and serve, God is constructing your wedding robe at the marriage supper of the Lamb. The New Testament describes five different heavenly rewards they're referred to as the crowns that the believers will receive. Brendan said to me before, have you got any props? And I thought, oh, no, this one here I might pass. <laughs> he goes, what about a coffin? I said, no, bad taste, bad taste. Uh, and I thought, I can't even adequately uh, bring a prop to heaven because it's far more than what we can think and imagine. But there are rewards and these are the rewards, five different crowns that will be given out. Number one, the victor's crown, also referred to the imperishable crown. In first, now these are the scriptures that you need to take down, 1 Corinthians 9, 25 to 27. This crown, the victor's crown, is for those who've shown self-discipline, the ability to say no, to things that take their focus off of Christ. Yeah, it's those who run the race that God has assigned to them. 
It's saying no to the temptations. It's saying no to that job that will take you out of relationship with God or the house of God. It's saying no to the things that will draw you away from God. That's a victor's crown. I'm sure many, many of us will receive that victor's crown. Number two, the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8, this crown is for those who long for heaven as their true home, not the, the, not the earthly distractions, who choose to, to do the right thing when faced with a choice of doing something bad. This is the crown of righteousness. I believe many of you have chosen to do the right thing rather than the wrong thing, the bad thing. And this is the crown of righteousness that we receive. Number three, the crown of rejoicing. First Thessalonians 2.19. This crown is given to those who bring others to Jesus, who lead people to the Lord. You know, it's called referred to the soul winner's crown. Yesterday I was speaking at a women's event and uh, we, I had the great privilege of preaching, sharing, but one, five people came to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Saviour. But one in particular had the opportunity in our break to begin to share. She was brought by someone and realised this lady doesn't know the Lord. And so I was able to share about Jesus and, and salvation. And she and I said, you want to receive Jesus right now as your personal Lord and Savior? She says, yes, I do, I do. And I led it to the Lord. That's rejoicing. I was rejoicing. And so I understand the, the crown of rejoicing. Why? Because when you share your faith, you get more excited than you've ever been in your life. From death to life, from eternity, open heaven. Number four, the crown of glory. First Peter 5.4. This crown is given to the faithful shepherds, pastors, Sunday school teachers, Kylie, many others here, team leaders, life group leaders, those who answered the call of leadership to carry out the great commission. So this is actually the crown of glory, people who have led, who have pastored, who have shown leadership. Number five, the crown of life. James 1, verse 12, Revelation 2, verse 10. This is the crown of life. This is for believers who are going through or gone through persecution, trials, temptation, and even martyrdom. They who have given up their life, their faith in Jesus, given it up, persecution, to those who have kept their faith when it cost them to do so. They will receive a crown of life. It's interesting, isn't it, how it's appointed as a crown of life. They've died for their faith. They receive a crown of life. And number five, you enjoying this? It's like a little Bible school teaching Hey, you've just been to Bible school today. You've just got a snippet of it though. Heaven is a place of reunions. Oh, yes. Just imagine. Yes. You know, this could be painful for you, but just take a moment to think of your loved ones, your friends who knew Jesus and now have passed away. 
I look forward to seeing my dad, my grandparents, and friends who have passed away. You know, there's a story in Matthew chapter 17, and it talks about the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus takes Peter and James and John on a high mountain. And when he is transfigured before them, the Bible says he, became, he becomes glowing white in a white presence and they are watching Jesus. And then he says that appearing with Jesus was Moses and Elijah. Now, Peter seeing this wants to capture this moment and he says, can we build a tent? Can we all have a sleepover together? Come on, can we do that? Because he's so enamored of the fact that Elijah and Moses are there. Now, how did Peter, who's never met Elijah and Moses, how did he know that's who they were? Interesting, isn't it? They lived centuries before Peter did. The reason why he knew was because God inspired his understanding that those who are that those who were before him were recognizable even though they never met. We see in John 21 verses 1 to 7 we see that Jesus appeared to his disciples in his resurrection body. And he was recognisable. So it goes to say that we would have a similar looking body, probably a perfect one. I don't know what perfect to God is. If it's bountiful or if it's slender. But we would have a perfect body. Bible says that we will get a glorified body like Jesus. So we will retain our likeness. So we will be able to recognise each other when we are in heaven. But everything looks better in heaven. So we will look better in heaven. We retain our resemblance. And this is why we see is that that's why the disciples recognised Jesus. Don't live for this life. Live for heaven. The ultimate reward. The ultimate great Reunion. I like how Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. You know, when, when someone you love who is a Christian, who is a believer in Jesus Christ, receives their life as their personal saviour, we, don't, we will grieve because that's a natural human process. But I want to tell you that we don't grieve without hope. It's Paul saying here because we will see them again. How wonderful is that? We do not grieve with those without hope. We grieve with a hope that we will see them again. Number six Heaven has many dwellings. Jesus then goes on to say in John 14 too, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. The Greek word here for mansions is monē, meaning dwelling, 
or home. So don't be thinking and looking up Beverly Hills mansions because it's actually not referring to a big home as we imagine a mansion is. It's actually materialistic things won't mean a thing to us when we're in heaven. We have no desire. We have no desire at all. It's talking about dwelling. It's talking about a home. So don't be obsessed with the big homes that you see because your home in heaven will be so much nicer. Jesus is meaning I'm going to prepare a room. I'm going to prepare a home for you. In fact, this the rest of that verse says, and I go to prepare a place for you. There's room for you and you and you. All you need to do is choose Jesus. How do we get to heaven? Thomas asks, how will we know the way? And Jesus answers, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He dispels all human thoughts of if I pray more, I'll get to heaven. If I do penance, I will get to heaven as some religions believe. If I do good to mankind, I will get to heaven. If I give money to the poor, I will get to heaven. The answer is none of these things because those things are about doing more, putting more of a burden on us. The Bible teaches that the burden was put on Jesus once and for all and Jesus died so heaven would be open to all those who believe in him. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus and receiving Jesus. The Bible says that anyone, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. You know, Mark's mum several, several years ago went to have an eye operation. You may, if you may have heard this story, Mark, share it, but I know there's lots of new people here who've not heard this story. For their benefit, I want to share this story because it's awesome. She went to have an eye operation and when she was in the, the, the um, table to have this eye operation, they stuck a needle directly into her eye. The shock of it, she went into a, a panic and had heart erythema. Um, she came out of her body. So she's recalling this to us. She came out of her body and she begins to see the doctors and nurses panic. It was chaos in the operating theatre. And as the surgeons thought, they were losing her. But then she, she recalls that her mother and her sister are calling out to her. It's like from heaven, they're calling out to her. And she felt this absolute, she describes it, perfection and peace from heaven. Then all of a sudden, she feels these black creatures pulling her away into a dark place. And in Dutch, she begins to say, I won't say it in Dutch, ever living God, this should not be having happening to me. Ever living God, this should not be happening to me. Ever living God, this should not be happening to me. And all of a sudden, she came back into her body. It wasn't the doctor's. Sorry, it wasn't God, wasn't the devil. It was the doctors who brought her back 
into her consciousness. She rang Mark and, and, and you know, you got to understand my mother-in-law was um, a Christian in the sense that she did the duties of, of church and how she was brought up. But she knew, she, she knew that the only person who could believe her what actually happened was her son, Mark, who was a fanatical born-again Christian. And uh, Mark shared with her, he said, you know, Mum, you, you know God just like the devil knows God. He said, but you've never welcomed him in, right? Welcome in the, the you, sorry, received him. Whoever receives Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And that word means welcome. It's like he's at the door knocking, but you've never opened, him up, opened the door and said, come in and welcome him in to your home, to your heart. And, you know, that hit her hard. And he left her. And then that night I had the privilege to go and visit her and had the privilege of leading her into the sinner's prayer and allowing her to make that decision to welcome, not just to welcome him in to her heart. Today you may be here and you know God because you were brought up in knowing God, but you've never welcomed Receive, but you've never welcomed him into your heart. Have the musos to come right now. I want to give you an opportunity that if you haven't welcomed Jesus into your life as your personal Lord and Saviour, I want to give you that opportunity. Today, you may be here, and as I've been preaching, you'll be going, I don't even actually even know that if I was to die, I would go to heaven. I want to give you that opportunity to be sure without a doubt that you're right with God, that you've welcomed Jesus into your life and that you choose to live with Him as a Lord, a personal Saviour, as part of your life. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, I cannot close this meeting without giving this opportunity. And maybe you all have done this, but I don't know where you are in your heart. So today I wanna ask you, I wanna invite you that if you haven't received Jesus as your personal Saviour, it's only one path that leads to God and that's only through Jesus Christ. He's the only one who died for you. He's the only one who opened heaven wide up for you. And He wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. If that's you today, you're not sure. And you wanna give your life to Jesus. I wanna ask you to raise your hand as an indication to me so I can lead you into a prayer of receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Saviour and Lord. As I look over, I'm going to take a little bit of time right now because I don't want anyone of you to walk out with any doubts, with any hesitations right now. Father, we thank you. 
You sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. You've given us an opportunity to receive Him and we've chosen in this room to say, I choose Jesus. And Father, I pray for every believer in this room, oh God, that we would not keep the message of Jesus Christ just to ourselves. But Father, give us, Lord, the ability, oh God, and the opportunity, oh God, to as we are in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, oh God, to have the opportunity to lead many, many people to this knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ and to have the assurance of their eternity in heaven with You. We thank You, Jesus. We continually choose You to serve You, to love You, to follow You. And we don't wanna keep this secret to ourselves, oh God, but we wanna be able to share the love of Jesus, the message of hope to all mankind that no man shall perish. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Well, you may stand right now. It's so good to know that you are sure and without a doubt that you know where your eternal home is. This is good, but don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself because we never know those who are sent in our world. We don't know where they're going to be, but we can make sure that we can have the privilege of leading them to Jesus. We're gonna close with a fast chorus and uh, let's rejoice like heaven would be like.